Now don't you fall asleep on me Welcome to this episode of Political Brothers with your hosts, Chauncey and Avery. And Avery, welcome back. Um, this is episode two of our, since our long, long hiatus. And uh, I must say that, um, you know, it's been, a, at least for up here, it's been a hot week. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of stuff's been going on in yeah. the world. I mean, obviously, the Russian-Ukrainian war is still taking place. Gun violence still is taking place. And, you know, obviously, just another day in, in the United States. Yeah. Um, for better or for worse. I will say that today, though, marks an interesting thing just because uh, historically, the Fed um, rose interest by 75 points. Which, you know, if you have credit cards or, you know, if you're looking to get a credit card or looking to get loans of any sort or buy a home, obviously, this is going to affect that. Uh, along with, you know, prices for businesses, just because, you you know, every credit runs the world. Let's be honest here. You know, yeah, I think it, score, you better have I, cash. <laughs> I, think, I think it was a quarter of a point, right? Am I wrong about that? No, not a quarter. That's like uh, 0.75. 0.75. 0.75%. Yeah, but, but not 75 but, points. That would be insane. No, that, no, they consider that 75 points. Oh, oh, okay. Gotcha. Yes. It's still really high. Really, the winners of higher inflation would be, honestly, the people who got their fixed rate mortgages in. Like, uh, you know, if you, for example, got your mortgage in at 3.5%, and now all of a sudden it's, let's say, God forbid, 5% interest, you know, you're good there. Stockholders are in a good position, uh, commodities investors. And then the losers really are the people who want to save their, you know, the savers. Uh, you know, people who already, um, you know, because inflation, when inflation rises quickly, right, interest rates really keep up, causing savers hard-earned dollars to gradually lose buying power, you know. And then the retirees, you know, often means wage increases, right? So the retirees lose there, and then investors in long-term bonds lose as well. And then people with, uh, you know, variable rate or non-traditional, you know, because you either get a fixed rate mortgage or a arm adjustable rate mortgage. So if you have adjustable rate mortgage, you're screwed. And then people who have credit cards, first-time home buyers. But the bottom line is that inflation's really going to hurt, you know, the economy as a whole and the American people lose as a whole. I mean, because at the end of the day, credit rules the world, Avery. And without credit, you better have a lot of good cash. A lot of yeah. cash. It, it's unfortunate. It, this, will, this will provide a pretty good segue into what we want to talk about today because... Um, Inflation, especially when once interest rates are adjusted, affect, especially affects the majority of Americans, um, those who don't have like large amounts of income or like large amounts of savings already, right? Yeah, so that ties into mental health. And, you know, and this is going to be one of the points I'm going to bring up. And one of the things that we're going to talk about, just because let's be honest, 
financial security is a major thing in today's world, unless you believe, because, you know, unless you believe the Buddhist teachings, which, you know, uh, you know, not trying to really quote, because I'm not, I don't know that much, but essentially <laughs> yeah. their belief is that, you know, one, they don't really hold on to worldly possessions because at the end of the day, why do we go to work? Why do we do a job that we don't like? Or, you know, why do we do anything to make money? Why? So we can buy stuff. Thus, we are owned by our possessions. The possessions don't own us. We are owned by our possessions and by our greed. But anyways, going to mental health, Avery, where did you want to start first? <laughs> yeah, so um, I think that's an interesting point you bring up. Um, so like for me, I think that um, the current mental health crisis in the United so so approximately like one fifth, at least according to the NIMH, the um, National Institute of Medical Health in the United States, about one fifth of Americans has a mental illness. Um, but the majority of working Americans have expressed extreme stress in the past uh, like six months. Well, especially due to COVID, but COVID was a, a, a big blip in increased like mental stress, but it's been going up steadily. And personally, I think that's connected to how we treat the majority of people in the United States. The majority of people are workers. Um, we're not rich people. Median income is um, less than uh, over like less than $50,000 per household. Uh, it depends how you slice it, but for a single person. And that's not, a, that's not a lot, right? If half your population is making that much, um, people are, especially with inflation, people are going to be continuously financially strained. So I think I'd like to talk about how that intersects with mental health. And then like from our previous episode, how that might interplay with um, uh, at least potentially like with increased gun violence and stuff. Yeah, of course. Let's, uh, so let's start there. Go ahead, Avery. I mean, or you want me to take this one to start? I mean, I can just make some points real quick and you can tell me what you think about them. So, okay, yeah. So to me, like capitalism gives a lot of good things. So I'll start off strong here from my leftist roots. Capitalism uh, gives a lot of good things. Um, however, I think, especially for America's circumstance, it's kind of running into a wall where it's given us probably as best as it can. And without regulations, corporations continue to hold more and more power. People are, like you said earlier, people are working jobs that they hate. Um, and you could just to make ends meet and also to just try and find money and time to like do things that they personally enjoy, right? Whether that be starting a family, which is really, really expensive. I, I, I'm sure you can speak on that. Um, versus like, I don't know, just buying a gaming system or even having money to like, I don't know, go to a theme park or something or go on trips. Um, you know, for whatever, and those are mental health boosters, right? Being able to do things you enjoy. But if most people are, have to work two jobs, which is uh, a shockingly large amount of Americans just to make like ends meet, you know, to keep the economy going, and they don't really have any true buying power in the system because they have so little accumulated wealth compared to like top 10% of earners, I could only see the outcome being like negative mental health because people aren't going to be happy. In the, in the whole rat race. Um, yeah, so for me, like if addressing mental health starts at like giving people more power in their workplace, for me, that includes, that in, includes unions. Um, 
but even more broadly, like moving away from a capitalist driven economy and more to more words like worker owned, like, uh, like a communist based economy, if you will. Like, so those are my hot takes. So, <laughs> um, I, I, I'm going to start by saying off, um, uh, for someone who used to work for unions, um, dependent on the union itself, in my opinion, and no offense to anyone out there, unions typically protect workers that are terrible, arrive way late. They either, uh, you know, have poor attendance, poor job performance, don't want to be there, but they're just using the system and all that. For someone who worked with a union before, no offense to anyone out there. Um, and a lot of union workers will even say this themselves. Unions typically are great for poor performing, poor attendance. Uh, uh, employees that just, if they were at any other a non-union job, they would not have a job. They would be gone, in my opinion. Okay. And obviously with any kind of society, Republic, Democrat, um, Democratic, you know, fascist, whatever have you, every type of government has its flaws and capitalism has its flaws as well. But I will say that, you know, when it comes to the rise in goods as they are now, it's stressful. People want a better paying job. Uh, but the other thing too, though, is everyone, it's like with weight, right? You know, because at one point, Avery, you know, you were very heavy. Mm-hmm. That was very at one point. And what we did is we did discipline with how we ate, you know, count. Think of it like this. Money is like calories. Sometimes you have to, do you really need this item? Do you need this, this PlayStation 5? Do you really need that Mercedes? Or can you be better off with just a, a car that is more in your budget? So partially to, to, to some Americans, you know, and then I, no one likes to hear this, but some reason why people are in the financial situations that they are in is simply because of the false fact that of what the American dream is, where you work all your life, you retire, you get all the, you reap all the benefits, which the American dream, in my opinion, is dead. And the whole falseness of the American dream being that you come here, you can get all these cool things. You're able to buy whatever you want. That's fake. That's dead. And the whole thing is, is that, just like in any other country, just like in life itself, it's always going to be a struggle. I mean, hell, I wondered how, how if I, if, you know, I mean, like you all, like how would I be if I was Warren Buffett being a billionaire? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and there's some billionaires out there that are very frugal, that they still drive that 1970 Corolla, you know, and they don't do all these lavish things that everyone thinks all these people with money do. There are some that just have money and you know, they just make it. They're just good at it, you know, but you can't demonize people for, you know, if they do the right thing, they work hard and they make that money. Yeah. So but, uh, but I I say that going back to the mental health issue, obviously happiness, you know, financial stability ties into all this because you're we're seeing as the price of goods, right? Because let's be honest, what's causing this this current inflation is right now several key factors, right? For example, um, supply chain issues in, in in the wake of a strong consumer demand, right? 
Everyone wants mm-hmm. the products, but the, we have issues in supply chain. We have issues in getting these raw materials to make these goods that people want. Thus, supply and demand. The more people want something, the more the, that item goes up in price, right? Mm-hmm. Worker shortages are another reason, you know? And then, of course, you know, the federal, the Fed is trying to, you know, try to fight the inflation by raising interest rates. But, you know, that's just a means to an end. The, the fact is, is that when you tie it all together, right? If I, everything ties in together, right? When inflation goes up, if that, if, if there's someone out there who can't afford those milk and eggs, right? They're going to steal to feed their family. They're going to do what it takes to feed supply, to, to support their family. And that's mm-hmm. okay. You know, I'm not saying it's okay to do it, mind you, right? But at the end of the day, there's that pressure and financial pressure is one of the numerous things out there that causes people to have poor mental health, that become, make them depressed, have the high anxiety, you know, then there's the whole, you know, thing about meaning a life, you know, of just stress of responsibility. Not everyone could deal with responsibility, you know, and it goes into numerous, numerous things like children, uh, mortgages, you know, because the, the falsehood there is that everyone thinks they should have a mortgage. No, you don't. If you're a single man, right, or single woman or single anybody, right, you don't, do you need a house? No. That's why some people choose to rent because they don't want to have families. They, they like to move around. Some people move around for work. But that, that's mm-hmm. what's going on right now, Avery, is we're seeing an, an, an economy that is plummeting into recession. I believe we are in the beginning of the recession. I don't know why no one's talking about it. Everyone's talking about it. If you look at Reddit, the, the, the people, the American people are talking about it, but not the news stations. They're not talking about recession. Not the government. They don't want to say the R word. Mm-hmm. There it is, folks. We are in a recession. The economy well, is not booming. It's not growing. It is receding. That's what's going on. So I was just going to say, I'm not sure about the, the definition of recession. Um, I don't know how long it has to, the economy has to slow for it to count as a recession. Regardless of the definition, we're certainly, the economy is not growing at the rate at that. Um, it, it would be projected to had COVID and everything not happened. But I, I guess I'm curious, um, there's a few things you said I disagree with, but I want to kind of focus on uh, mental, when it comes to like, certain things about like responsibility and money ownership and stuff. For example, for me, if a person can't afford like milk and eggs for their family and they steal it, I think that's morally fine. I think that's a, it's not their fault. It's the system failing. But hold on. Um, Can I ask you a question, Avery? Sure. As a Democrat, right? The Democrats, sure. the Democratic Party themselves, and yes, I'm going to make this political folks. They're all about give and take, especially socialists, especially Bernie's, who got the burn, who felt the burn, you know? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, right? If, if these Democrats, right, are all about, let's get the homeless off the streets, let's use all this money to, to help people, right? One, where's all the money? Because obviously it's being misspent. Or two, you're just helping, instead of healing the wound, just putting a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. What do you like, think the wound like, is? Because if you give somebody a, for example, right? If you no, give no, no, hold on, hold on. I want to, oh, I want to ask. I want to. Let me finish my point. Okay. If you give somebody who has little to no financial literacy, right, who has a proven track record, 
it's like me giving my my son, right? If I give my son who has no concept of, of money, right? I give him a million dollars, right? He's going to spend it on toys, right? Candy, you know, things that kids his age are going to want, right? They're not going to think about saving it. They're not going to think about investing it. That's what you have to think about, right? Sometimes adults are children and we have to treat them as such when it comes to certain things. And yes, is it a harsh truth? Yes. But the fact is, is that if I give a homeless person, right, a blank check, here's a check or no, not, not even a blank check. Here's a check for a million dollars. Do you think that they're going to use it the right way? Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But the fact is, is that What's the point of giving people to people things, but not the tools to really learn how to use it? Because that's a gift. You have all these charities around the world who raise tons of money and they, you know, a quote unquote, it go 100% all goes to the charity. But all I have to say, folks, is look into some of these charities and see where every dollar goes to. That's all I have to say. But I'm not saying not to donate, but I'm just simply saying, you know, you can't just give somebody something without building them up, developing them into somebody who can spend wisely. Because why? what's the point, Avery, of not treating the whole illness, treating the whole wound? Correctly? Yeah, so let, let, let's, let's talk about that. So yeah. um, I, I, I don't disagree in the sense that, like, I think certainly just pumping a bunch of money into like just giving people a bunch of money which, may not necessarily which is why democrats typically are hypocrites that's what i'm going to say and i'm not uh, i mean i mean i mean but if you're preaching oh hold on chauncey 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 well i on these somebody like like uh like uh chauncey i'm trying to make my point why isn't nancy pelosi giving out money she got i'm trying to make my point i'm not i'm not so so well, Bernie does give a lot of. If he's a socialist, uh, he should not be making over a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's okay. Hold on. Wait. Whoa, 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 Chauncey, you're saying too many things. I can't I respond. I'm just making it known, and I'm your viewers. Okay. Okay. Now I'm going to. All right. All right. Right. Fine. Are you Are you done with what you want to say? I apologize. Continue. Okay. No more interrupting, please. So first off, socialism doesn't have a cap on the amount of money you make. I'll immediately that doesn't that's irrelevant the amount of money you make is dependent on what the economy does if the economy is really good and everyone makes a lot of money the government doesn't need to redistribute wealth very much if it's or if it's already proven effective you can have millionaires under socialism in democratic socialist countries which aren't truly socialist but they're pretty close do have millionaires and billionaires in those countries in those countries though the gap between um, the number of billionaires the number of millionaires is less because all people have more money overall and more buying power. But that's a secondary note. Um, the primary thing that I was trying to say, well, also I have to respond to that. Re all politicians are hypocrites. Um, Republicans are on, are on average actually just as wealthy as Democrats. I don't know the exact numbers, but if you're in the Senate, if you're in the House, you're prone to be wealthier than the average American. Um, for multiple reasons, like they don't necessarily have our interests at heart if they're making that much more money than us. But so what, what I was going to say originally, though, is like, I agree with you in the sense that like, about the uh, trying to help people out like the homeless person in this example, right, this hypothetical, just giving them a blank check for a million dollars might not relieve um, all of their issues. I think that's true. But taking a million dollars 
from tax paying funds, right, from tax funds to then redistribute into programs that can teach that person life skills, that can help them get, uh, get access to an affordable home. That's very reasonable to me. Those are socialist programs, which I support. Yeah, but, but what I'm trying to state, though, is, is that, and you can look at the state of New York for this, right? All of these programs, yeah, they're funded, right? They're getting funded. Tr trust me, everyone's taxes goes up every year, it feels like. But the, the more money you make, the more you're paying taxes. But the fact, though, is, is that, right, is, is it does not feel like that. There's more homeless people on the streets now than there have been in a long time. It's not true, actually. Going up. Not That's true. not true. Hold on. Let me see one second. But continue your point. Yeah. So, well, my, my point, the, you might have seen the amount of homeless people go up in the past, like, two, three years due to COVID. But I, I think overall, if you're looking over the course of, like, since the 1970s, homelessness has gone down. Although the United States isn't the best country at tracking homelessness. I'm not going to, if I'm wrong on that point, it's fine. I don't care. Um, my argument still stays the same. Having money into those programs is beneficial. And actually, if you wanted to, so you you're talking about problem, like what the, what the illness is. I'm curious, uh, I want, I'm gonna say something else, but I'm curious to hear what you think the illness is, like why is the homeless person homeless? Why does the person in the financial situation that they're in that's giving them poor mental, like poor, like big life stresses, poor mental health as a result, uh, to kind of keep, tie that in. But the answer to homelessness is providing them a home. We know what the answer, we've known what the answer to homelessness is for, since, since it was a concept, if you want no homeless people, you provide them homes. And for me personally, I think a society which chooses to continuously litmus test people on whether they deserve a home is morally bankrupt because all people, regardless of what they've done in their life, if they're irresponsible, if they're responsible, they deserve a home. All people deserve a home. End of story. That's kind of where I'm coming from. All people deserve food. All people deserve water, shelter, a good quality of life. And I don't think you ha you should have to be like the most, uh, I don't know, <laughs> giga chad consumer or capitalist in order to earn rights to those things. I think they're in innate human rights, not privileges. But I'd like to hear what you what you think about um, the uh, what causes people to become homeless or what the illness is in the financial literacy and stuff like that? Well, for starters, I'll state this between 2020 and 2021, there has been an increase in 20% in the homeless population, as well as that the rate is continually to climb at an alarming, alarming rate. Um, so there's that statistics from PBS. Um, but here's the other thing, right? Um, and as you all heard, folks, from uh, one uh, from a previous uh, episode, uh, well, at this point, season one, I was homeless at one point. It was due to some tough stand, uh, unfortunate um, coincidences of, uh, you know, budgeting and, you know, uh, just poor, poor, poor. Um, Poor circumstances, but at the but for me it was for financial reasons that I was homeless for a time. But so I understand how it is to be homeless, Avery, and I will say that 
you know, for mm -hmm. someone who was homeless, and I will reiterate, I applied for food stamps. I applied for government assistance. Literally put my home address as homeless, as an option. And I was denied. Okay. In what state were you though? It's irrelevant what state. The fact though is, is that. It's, it's a state program. It, that, it I, I brought this up last time. It's federal money, but the state gets to choose that money. You were yeah. in the state. You were in a Republican state at the time. But that's irrelevant to me that no matter where you are in the world, if you, well, at least in the United States for what we're discussing in the matter of this discussion, if you apply for government grants under a dem dem democracy, under a democratic president who says this, that, and the third about healing the world, healing the nation, blah, 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 giving on and fall, then that should not have been the possibility. But overall, the whole fact, though, right, is that the homeless population is increasing. Democrats say spend, 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 spend. So what's your solution? Well, here's my solution for starters. Why, right? When you call, when when you look into the home, into homelessness, and when you look into inflation as a whole, right? Because some people people are on the streets for inflation because of mental health. The meeting, the system failed them. These some of these men and women out there on the streets have mental health issues. Actually, and wait. Could I ask you a different question? Sell out the money. They will let go. Here you go. I see it all the time in New York. One time I was at ShopRite, homeless guy comes in, crazy uh, individual, very needed help, right? Oh, you know what the police did? Instead of bringing him to the to the to uh, uh to be processed, they dropped him off a couple blocks down the road. How do I know this? Because I was dry, I was leaving the ShopRite parking lot, and I was there when I saw the police officers letting them go. But what should the they have done instead? Huh? What should have been done instead is that he should have gotten the treatment that he needed. Okay. So what is your solution to homelessness, for example? Fuck. But the, my thing as a whole is you first you start at the problem. The root of the problem is, is the misconception. The root of the problem is these lies that are told about we are here for you. Big government. Big government is here for you. Right? All your tax dollars are going to these programs. But realistically, Avery, when these programs fail, that's it, they fail. The money's gone, the money's lost, right? There's a point where it has to stop, where we have to as a whole, and I'm not trying to preach nationalism or anything like that, but as an American who, as a person, right? I wish we could help everyone in the world, but the fact is when we don't have the money to help our people at home, out the people who are paying these taxes, then what are we doing? You know? I want to know something. Why? Because what happens is statistically is when the United States goes into a major economic crisis, the rest of the world follows. If we're yeah. hurt, the rest of the world hurts. Are you saying though, what are I'm you saying, saying government programs are the cause what is your solution? I'm trying to get to it, but you keep interrupting, good sir. The fact, though, is, is I'm trying to, to set it all up. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Because uh, I'll, I'll let you have the dramatic moment. Go ahead. Bum, bum, bum. I was, I was sitting here with my beautifully scented citronella candle fighting off the bloodthirsty mosquitoes. But An uh, American evening in the summer. 
get her done. But I will say that I, the, the, the whole thing, right, is that it starts with the correct appropriation of money. If these, if these benefits, instead of just giving money out to everyone coming knocking, there has to be real hard studies into where this money is going, where every cent of taxpayer dollars are going. Should some government officials not be getting as much money as they are? Should be getting? Of course. Why? You are public servants, right? And they're already getting the reap of being public servants, like free food, free this, free that, because we're fitting the bill. But what, what upsets me is that, you know, then you have veterans who on the VA has, is in a steady decline. You know, it has been for years. Under Trump, I will say this, like I say, the VA showed improvement. And I have not. And I have many friends in the armed forces who fought bravely for their and served their country well. And unfortunately, some who paid the ultimate price. But for those that I know who have dealt with the VA, they've seen a decline in recent years. Um, you know, and, and that's a sad, unfortunate thing. No, not the proper resources, not the proper tools. You know, I mean, it starts, it starts there, appropriation. Where are we putting our money? Why is it going there? Who's running it? Because at the end of the day, these government officials that are creating these programs, it's not their money they're losing. No, it's the American people's. And they're not being held accountable for it. And then it goes into the whole fact that the system of what this government's created, two-party system. That also is hurting everything. But, but that's the whole thing, Avery, is where's the money going? We're not, and, and even in schools, our educational system, we're not teaching these children about actual things like FICO credit score. What's it really mean? That, what's that really mean? You know, I didn't know about the 30% rule when it comes to credit until I was, I was in college, like almost done with college, Avery. Mm -hmm. In my 20s. I should have known about FICO, and FICO scores, you know, and, and, all, and financial literacy way before I even graduated high school. Because some children do not go, some students do not go to college. And everyone needs to know that. And that's the other thing. Pushing every child. I know the educational system is flawed, but that's where you start the fix, fixing the educational system. But then so when this, it's about creating actual change. You have to, it, it, it goes, like I said, it goes back to appropriation. Instead of giving millions and billions of dollars of American dollars across the world, we have to put that money here. Fix here first, then we can take care of it. Because what's the point of helping the other house when you have to put your house in order first? What do they say on a plane, Avi, in the, in, in the event of an emergency? What do they say? They say, you put your mask on, then your child. And if other countries are begging for American dollars and aid, then they are the children in that scenario. And we have to start uh, babying other countries in this world. Because at the end of the day, that's our downfall. We are throwing money that we don't have. That's why inflation is coming to such a rise in the United States. We are just printing money to make... To, 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 uh, to, uh, okay. 
I have to stop you there. I have to stop you. There. We talked about this before. That's not we the major cause of inflation. Avery, when money, when money does not grow on trees, that's a myth, kids. It does. It literally does, actually. Avery is, is that we're just needlessly printing money. We're needlessly giving out money. Everyone wants to be an American, but no one wants to come to so, the United States. Charles, I want, I want to stay on, a, I want to stay on, on the point, though. So yeah, the whole point, I want to, do you, do you believe? What I believe is, is that you, in order to fix homelessness, in order to fix the issue with economic, with through needless spending, is fixing mm -hmm. the educational system. So you think, let me just get this straight. Do you think that if a person um, goes into homelessness, that the reason that he did is because they didn't spend money correctly because they had low financial literacy. Is that accurate? That's, I believe that's one part of it. It's also because of, it could be numerous things. It could be drug issues. It could be, um, you know, catastrophes such as a hurricane could have, or a tornado could have demolished their home. So let's, let's take that person, right? So the person who lost their home and their job due to a natural disaster, what should we do? Should we, what should we do for those people? But that's why we have FEMA. FEMA's, FEMA's unfortunately one of the worst funded programs. It, it doesn't work because it's not funded very well. No, it's no, but you know what, why we, how those programs would have more money is if we quit spending money on stupid stuff. No, but I'm saying, I think we have the, how else do you, there is a way to get more money into the government, right? Via taxation of people who have a lot of money. Would you consider that an option? Say that again? You, the other way to increase the amount of money that the government has at its disposal for programs funding, program funding and implementation is simply taxing people their fair share, right? So people well, yeah, who- But then that goes into, because you're going to make the democratic uh, uh, argument of, oh, the 1% has to pay their taxes. And yes, they do. I agree, Avery. I already agree with you. But instead do of you just think... around it, you should fix the tax laws. But no one talks about that. They just talk about- Sure, but that would not generate enough revenue. You would need to increase taxes yes, on the rich. Know that unless they change the laws. You talk about raising taxes, we don't talk about the root of the problem. That's the problem. That is the, the problem is that they're not being taxed effectively. You're putting the Band-Aid on the wound. You don't want to stitch it. You don't want to do the surgery to get the bullet out. You just want to leave it in there, put a Band-Aid in it, and hopefully it gets better. Let and me ask you a question. Do you think that if we were to close tax loopholes, that that would provide enough money for the programs that you support? Not, no, unless the laws are changed. But everyone in fucking Congress are a bunch of bigots, a bunch of idiots with no concept of being brave and stop taking lobbyist money. That's the reason why it's never going to happen. That and because both sides of the aisle, another reason why the two-party system is flawed is the whole fact that you either go blue or red, right? The money flows one or two ways, right? It either goes to you or goes to my opponent. If you don't want, if you don't, if you make this law right, because there's billionaire Democrats that don't want that to pay their taxes either, even though they're preaching that sure. 
and one percent should do it, but they don't want, so they will be like, hey, for example, for example, hypothetically, hey, Miss Pelosi, or Mr. Buffett, or anyone on the Reds, you know, I don't want you passing this law, changing these the tax laws. Why? Because then I'm actually gonna my accountant's not gonna be able to do his job that I, I pay him to do. Sure, and I agree. Second house in Cancun. But you know, and so they're gonna be like, yeah, no problem. But that's the problem. You fix the problem by getting drained in the swamp. You fix the problem by fixing the educational system. You fix right, the so by correctly and accurately spend the money appropriately. Sure. No, I, I get that. I understand what you're saying. I, I don't disagree in merit with what you're saying. But to me, even if you did all of the things you're talking about, you would still need to address the problem of income inequity, where I, at least I'm curious what you think about this, but I think a society, especially a wealthy one, in which 90% of all wealth in that society is owned by less than 8% of the population is morally corrupt. I don't think that's a society that is a good one a good society. And so one way of readjusting that is because societies function based off collective effort. It takes all of us to make the economy work, not just 10% of people. So one way of doing that, one approach, I know it's not holistic. I agree with your proposals too, but uh, at least uh, some of the ones you mentioned is if you tax the rich, we used to have this in the United States, uh, Trump, Trump supporters talk about like, oh, make America great again. America in the 50s, which is what they're thinking about, had an effective tax rate um, on the top 1% of approximately 80 to 90% tax rate. And the Amer Amer American economy was doing great back then. Um, it, it wouldn't be until the Reagan administration till our tax revenue um, started to drop and actually coincided, my understanding, with reduced government functioning. Americans used to love big government because it did them a lot of good stuff. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, we, we know what the solution is, at least in part, I agree. We have to make sure the government functions correctly too, but I think a part of it is still raising tax rates and reining in more or less rich people so that they can actually, which includes, by the way, people like Nancy Pelosi. And, um, and I don't know if they would pass that legislation but it's at least something to popularize increasing tax rates on the rich. You know what I mean? Does that, does that kind of make sense? That approach? I, I agree with you, you know, but we'll, we'll just leave it at that for now because you, you know, what's sad is that even the, 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 the topic of mental health and this probably crossed your mind too, Avery and folks out there is the whole fact that even mental health can be a political thing. Mm -hmm. and not, and it really shouldn't be um yeah. so i think guys you could leave it at that um with that and uh avery uh i think let's why don't we take a short break okay sounds good see you guys after the break do, 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 do. <laughs> And we're, and we're back from break. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the short pause. Um, we kind of went a little off the rails there, but like 
Chauncey said, you know, a lot of these issues are interrelated and uh, it's easy to kind of just um, go off uh, discussing uh, a bunch of things about politics at the same time you're trying to talk about mental health, but they really are interrelated. So what we're going to do now is kind of focus more than on mental health issues in the United States and like what the what it's looking like in our own kind of experiences with it. Um, if that's okay with you, Chauncey. No, it is. Okay, cool. Because, um, you know, what I, what I was just trying to say and what Avery and I discussed over the break was simply that, you know, yes, we went a little off the rails there, but, you know, you know, and it said that, you know, it got political, politicized, but one, you know, that's, that's the name of the show. And we're two brothers, so we're going to argue. <laughs> from yep. time to time. It's <laughs> part of it. You know, my, my whole thing is is um, when it comes to mental health, there's numerous factors out there. And I think the whole issue now with why mental health is becoming a more relevant thing. Now, there's some things that I, I, I consider to be mental health related, right? And there's some things I don't. But my, my whole thing, though, right, is that when it comes to the, the issue of mental health, you know, I, I think that it's still, there's still old ways, you know, um, because some things come from the parents and, and, and dribble down, you know, like, if, for example, with people who have anger issues, you know, they could have been beat by their parents and then it just dribbles on down. And, you know, and I'm not talking about like, oh, here's a spank, but, you know, like be, being severely beaten because the system failed. Mm-hmm. And then there's just the fact that, you know, there's, there's people not getting the proper need or there's people out there who don't have the support that some people are fortunate to have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not every school, like the school that you and I attended, Avery, for high school, they were very fortunate to have a great program for mental health, both for special needs students and for students that needed the time to talk. But, you know, and then, you know, there's people who just fail. They're just in that jo- in, 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 in a job like that, you know, just to do it, just to be in it for a check. Like, I'll tell you a story once, Avery, many, many years ago, many years ago, mm-hmm. you know, I had a moment after a love, after a long fight with depression, which folks, from time to time, I will, you know, deal with depression and anxiety, but now I have better ways to deal with it. And I have that support system there, like Avery. <laughs> and... <laughs> um. My whole thing, though, <clears throat> is that there was a time that I wanted to end my life. I'll put it straight, straight to the point. And I decided, you know what? Let me call the suicide prevention hotline. Maybe someone will, I'll be able to talk to. And boy, I never got the chance to talk to somebody because I was on hold for over an hour. And in that hour of waiting, it just made me seem more and more helpless that I'm trying to actively reach out to somebody. 
for help. Over an hour. And I, who knows how long I would have been all held on hold before, you know, I got to spark, speak to somebody. But that's one of the numerous things. And, you know, I'm sure that, you know, they're, they're flooded with calls. But then why have a national hotline for suicide prevention if no one's going to answer the call? You know, so it goes into that. And then it goes into the whole stigma. You know, like, for example, men are taught, boys are sometimes taught to be emotionless. Mm. You're a man. Fix it. Do it. You know, and there's all these stereotypes that go along with that, how we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to exist, or what our parents want us to be, or whoever raised us. And that's, you know, and it starts from there. It starts from parenting. It starts from the whole society of a whole coming together. Because like in the last, when we were talking about the recent shootings, gun violence in the United States. Not more, so many people talk, but do people really listen? That's the way it all starts. And do people really want to do what they want to do and help? You know, I mean, for example, if I'm a police officer, right? And there's a, there could be an innocent guy that everyone knows has, you know, a special needs, but he has one bad day and he becomes violent because they don't understand him. Should that officer shoot him? You know? Or, you know, just abandoning children in need. It It's, that's, that's where it all just starts from is from the youth. You know, because the, the problem with society today and going back to the 50s, the 50s, everyone knew each other, right? Everywhere you go, there was a small town vibe. You know, there was a family structure. You know, but nowadays it's it's not like that. You know, it's instead of us, it's, or we, it's they, them, them against us. We don't know them. Don't talk to them, you know, and, you know, my child, my, my children are biracial. So they're going to deal with some things like this and they, they're going to have days of depression because they're not going to know where they fit in. They're going to be demonized by such a progressive society, what people deem a progressive society, but yet it isn't based on where that. They don't belong into a sort of black or white. It's other, mixed. And these are the core roots of what's wrong, you know, and why there's a, a, a rise. And then there's the people who state that they need help, but they really don't. And I'm not going to talk about those individuals today, but not everyone has a mental illness. And sometimes changing your identity does not solve the problem. 
to put a Band-Aid on a problem without fixing it. You know, and, and that's the problem. And that's why I keep saying, that's my key word today, folks, is problem. Because instead of fixing, finding the root, we're doing the easy way. We're slapping a Band-Aid on it, and we're saying, there you go, you're all better. Go back into the world. You know, or sorry, sir, your insurance does not cover this. So now we can't treat you. You may need the help, but yeah, you can't afford it. And then government comes in and says, oh, we'll take care of it. But you know, well, but unfortunately, there's a long wait. So you have to wait to get the proper help that you need and require. And everything's a process nowadays. Instead of someone just listening, taking the time to help and treat a person, it's far from that, Avery. You know, it's just so far from it. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, I think um, I agree like that. Uh, there was a time in, I think, I think we're, gro we're increasingly growing, maybe with the advent of the internet, I'm, I'm pretty sure plays a role in this. Um, and this is kind of a cliche, but like interconnected society, but it's, that's the, what the internet promised, but people are kind of lonely. Um, and I think that is largely due to the breakdown of like local communities, you know, local papers aren't a thing anymore. People are less informed about their communities. People don't do communal activities as much as they used to. And that certainly does reduce the number of like mental health safety nets that you have access to. And so I definitely agree on that point. Um, I'm not going to belabor the point about the Band-Aid solution thing. Uh, I, I think it depends what you're talking about. Sometimes I think for me, like I've also struggled with mental health at times, like with depression and anxiety. I still struggle with anxiety a lot. And for me, uh, what helps is having access to resources that, you know, even if it's just people to listen or, um, you know, just, just having the, at least the opportunity to access resources, but also like the, the, the reason, there's a reason kind of what you're saying. I think maybe um, there's a reason why I have anxiety. There's a reason that I suffered from depression. And it's true that often we tend to medicate people, which is a Band-Aid solution often, although it depends on your severity. Like if you have severe actual major depressive disorder, medication is very helpful. There's your brain is not working in the way it should. But if you have occasional anxiety or occasional depression, medication is not necessarily the answer, right? You need um, access to a solution to whatever is causing your anxiety, whatever causes your panic attacks or whatever causes depression. Um, this is a topic we learned about, or I learned a lot about in medical school this year. Um, and I think the thing that I realized most is our society doesn't really value mental health very much. Like we talk about it a lot. Like we said in the first uh, part before break, it's, it, it's politicized mental health, but both parties don't really do very much to give people access to better mental health. Um, for me, that's more green spaces, more time off work. Like it doesn't matter if we say you have a mental health problem and then you don't give people the time and resources to actually, and I'm really emphasizing time here, people need time to take a mental break, to actually enjoy themselves, to not be working. 
You know, that's really important for mental health. And the reason, one of the reasons I think we've seen increasingly more medicated people medicated on antidepressants, anti-anxiolytics is because that's the solution that works with their schedule. A person can take an antidepressant and still work their 40 to 60 hour work week. Um, instead plus, of just, what's that? Well, just to add to that, sure. plus ties in the big pharma. Yeah, there's, and, there's a monetary incentive for sure. You know, and the corruption that that is the medical field as of today. And then, you know, with um, doctors receiving compensation for pushing certain drugs and medications. But it's also the fact that it goes with the theme, well, at least my theme, which is that it's just a simple fix. It's a quick Band-Aid, a kiss on, on the boo-boo. It's not a permanent solution. It's just a fix, just for now. What would... um? Well, what would work is yeah. if had paid leave of absence for personal mental health. I mean, obviously there, there are people, you know, like for example, one company that I worked for, you get holiday pay. You know, instead of getting time and a half on holidays, you get extra days off, you get sick time, you know, you get your vacation days, you know. Um, and those are great because you could take those for a refresher, but you know, when you need those days and you want to still pay, and if you're, you know, dependent on that check being the exact same amount every every week, every month, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to make that decision, especially if you're the you're the person supporting just other people, you know. You have to and you, you know take the time to at least discuss it, take a break. You know, I mean, I mean, I know that's what lunch breaks are for. That's what 15s are for, 15-minute breaks. But but the whole thing, though, boy, what it boils down to is that, yes, people need mental health breaks, you know. If you need a call from work, call out from work, you know. But the reason why I believe there's not a thing in is because people take advantage of that, you know. But and to add it to your point, you're correct. We live in a in a world where people who are more connected than ever, than ever, tongue-tied there. But you know, it's it's just like as as much as technology brings us to to connects us together, it tears us apart. Because people, the human factor is what ruins things, like the metaverse that. Mr. Jobs is making. I'm hearing it's uh, a lot of uh, interest activity by some of the users on there already. Good and bad, unfortunately. More bad than good, but uh, not Steve Jobs. I just, geez, RIP did not mean Steve Jobs. I mean uh, Zuckerberg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wrong, wrong old dead billionaire. <laughs> Yeah, well, Mr. Mark Zuckerberg is alive and well, but you get what I'm saying. For better or for worse. The whole thing, though, and we're not going to take that out of editing because we want to make sure that you all know we're not perfect because no one is. (laughs) And it saves Avery here some time with the editing portion of this. But the the whole part is that we're more connected than ever, but we're more driven apart. Like, 
we talk about it, but we don't want to help everybody out about it. Instead of taking the extra second thing, it's like, oh, I have problems of my own. I don't have a second to listen to you. You know? And then some discipline our children, like for example, if, if my son, if I was told by my son's school that he did something bad, I, you know, some people may challenge it, some people, you know, but some people may own it. But the fact is that if I found out my son was a bully from someone who was bullied as a child, I'll be grossly upset with him. Because that's not right. It's never right. And it would be corrected. But the fact is, is how do you correct it? You use words, punishments, you know. Um, and the whole thing is, some people are like, no, my child won't do that. That's not, you guys are full of shit. That's not my child. My child is not the reason why that boy cried. You know? But yeah, parents are defensive. Exactly. But the fact is that if your child's wrong, your child's wrong. It doesn't mean you're less of a parent for because of it. It just means you just have to do your job as a parent and correct it. But the whole reality, though, is, is that we talk about it, but we're not doing anything about it. There's more commercials, more songs, there's more everything that talks about dealing with mental illness, depression, anxiety, suicide, but, you know, and there's numerous folks out there. I know we're just sticking the seams to the suicidal part, portion of it, you know, it's not the schizophrenic or or, or, or or all the other types of mental illnesses that are out there, but, you know, it just seems like sometimes we're, we're encouraging it, you know? Oh, that person's different because they're different. Let them be different when, in fact, sure, there's something wrong with that person. Or instead of taking the time to figure out what's wrong, you know, we're not doing it. You know, if that person says, no, I'm good. We're just going to leave it alone. Sometimes, you know, I brush people off when, I, when I've had bad mental health days. But the fact is that the people who said, fuck that, tell me what's wrong, those are the people that actually alleviated me alleviated whatever the word is made me feel better mm -hmm. that fuck what i had to say let me brush them off yeah and i think i think having access to those types of people in a person's life is really important for sure um That's i mean it, he, oh go ahead no, but I'm just saying, you know, but but the problem is, is that, you know, people, it's times like these, we need to choose, there's, a, there's a, a thin line between oversensitivity and being sensitive enough, right? Like, you don't want to teach a kid, for example, right? Me as a parent, you know, personally, I, I don't want to teach my children that everything's a problem, you know, like, 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 for example, you know, you want to be there for your kids. You want to make sure that, they, that they're strong, that they're going to get the best education, the best of everything that you can give them. But you don't want, but that is a point, right? Like, for example, if my son touched a light bulb after me telling him not to touch the light bulb, eventually I'm going to let him touch the light bulb. Why? Because if he burns himself, he's going to know not to do it again. 
Hmm. Not that I want that to happen, but sometimes it's a harsh truth. Just yeah. like a whole concept, you know, for those that are um, um, believe in scripture, like some people come up and, you know, common, uh, you know, you as an atheist, you know, common thing with atheism is that if God's such a good, if, if, if God was real, right, why does he let bad things happen to good people? And the fact is, is that why do bad things happen? Because here's the thing. Life is life. Everything, in my opinion, happens for a reason, right? And the it all boils down to is that, yes, if God is this almighty, powerful being, why did he stop that, that drunk person from getting that car and getting himself, herself, or the uh, an innocent bystander killed? Because that's how we learn as a whole. That's how we learn as a society. Sometimes you can't just teach by just telling. Sometimes it has to be by doing. Sometimes you have to let things happen. But right now, what seems to be is that we're just doing a lot of talking. We're not doing a lot of listening. We're not doing a lot of teaching. Yeah. We're just, you because know, a lot of parents have been out. Going back to the two part, to the two job thing. Some parents, some, some, both parents are doing two jobs for some households. You know, and uh, yeah. don't mind how it works, folks. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and sometimes that's that's what happens. You know, is that um, we're just doing a poor job of just teaching. We're doing a poor job uh, of just teaching to listen, um, fixing the problem, you know, find solutions you know giving people with mental health issues the time of day that they need just because they look different they sound different they act different doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them like like yeah. that just means you need to give them the help they deserve because some sometimes the homeless and nowadays it's even hard to find out who's real and who's not because now unfortunately there's bad people out there who use it as a con to make easy money well, so you so, don't know who's not for homeless yeah Yeah, I mean, personally, I think that it's more important. I understand like there is a, there seems to be an affinity for people to hyper fixate on when there are bad actors. But I think it's better to keep in mind, like, if the, if, if something is helping the majority of people, whether it be like, medication or some kind of mental health program, then we should pay attention to the benefit it's giving versus the risk. That's just a note for me, but something I wanted to tell you about, because I think it's a positive note is recently. So there's a, there was a whole thing about mental health uh, in, in our conversations over the past two years, especially with um, police killing of George, George Floyd and um, Breonna Taylor, a bunch of people. Um, and you know, you're, you're never going to not hear these stories. You can find uh, probably one from today about a police officer killing a mentally, um, ill person, um, over a misunderstanding or whatever there is. So some cities are actually taking steps to try to address that. Um, and I believe one city in particular, um, Seattle has piloted a program called the star program. I, I don't remember what it stands for. 
but the star program is a program where they've taken, they've created like a, a, a force of people who of like social workers who instead of police handling mental health calls, they handle mental health calls and they've seen really good results um, from that program, like reduced police killings of people in the, in the short time it's been around um, increased mental health care for people, you know, like a group of people who help people out when they're in a mental health crisis. And I think the fact that that program and programs like it in the U.S. seem to work is a great testament to how on, even on a local level, when it seems really dismal on a federal level for you to enact change, you can really make a big impact for people um, by trying to fight for programs like that. Um, Cause I know talking about mental health can be sound like a, it, you know, it's a really dismal thing. Um, it's not the most fun thing to talk about on a wide scale because of how it's look bleak it's looking, but we can have really positive impacts on people's lives by advocating for programs like that. Um, yeah. And like, and like Chauncey said, like really taking the time to um, fight for programs or for ideas which allow resources to get mental health resources to get to people, um, but also just to make programs, de develop systems where people do feel heard, like through the STAR program, um, and have a, a mechanism, not just having the resources available, but, but a mechanism for them to actually get access to them. Like Chauncey, you were talking about the suicide hotline it's no good if no one's actually able to listen to you, right? So the resource isn't enough. You need the vehicle to actually get people access to that resource. So just thinking of those things and you can make a really big impact in your community by um, not only advocating for those policies, but just being a good person. Um, and be like Chauncey said, like be willing to listen to even random people or do rant small acts of kindness for people. Um, like I don't have a lot of money, but if, someone asks for like five, $20 or something, like a small amount of money or just like lunch. Like for me, I don't tend to think about, oh, what if they're trying to scam me? Cause I haven't been scammed yet. Um, and it's a low risk for me. Like I don't have much money, but if it can help benefit, they're worse off than I am regardless. Millionaires don't try to scam people on the street by acting like homeless, a homeless person, right? Like they're, they're certainly in need of something. So like, even a small act of kindness, giving someone a few dollars um, that you may not know is, is something. And to try to strive towards doing those types of things. Maybe it won't have the biggest impact in the world, but it'll do something. It's, it's some sense of community uh, for people or volunteering at a homeless shelter or volunteering at a, a, some type of local clinic or, you know, those types of things go a long way, I think, towards building a more robust community that's trusting and offers people the safety nets that they need for not only mental health crises, but preventing those crises in general by giving people a better outlook on life overall. Just wanted to say that. Well, and I think Avery, that that was, that's about it. I mean, uh, I mean, what else can you say? At the end of the day, this will be an issue that we're always going to deal with as a society as a whole. And, you know, we just all got to learn to listen, love, and laugh. And just 
live with one another and be accepting of one another. But yeah. uh, Avery, as always, let's uh, take it away. And uh, folks, once again, thank you for tuning in. And um, as Avery always says, you know what? I'll take it away today. Um, <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in, listening. And next time uh, we'll let you know what we're talking about. And, you know, but as always, let us know what's going on. You know, if anyone ever has mental moment, you know, needs someone to talk to, feel free to reach out to us. Our contact information is always listed. And uh, as always, thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you all next time. See you next time. Why don't you fall asleep on me?